Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Good morning. We are talking about prayer, and uh, we're specifically looking at the Lord's Prayer. And one of the things that uh, Pastor Troy uh, talked to us about last week was the admonition uh, that, you know, that the, uh, the Hebrews got this bad habit of praying, uh, the Pharisees in particular, uh, they were the religious experts and they'd gotten in the habit of praying to be seen. Uh, that they would stand on the street corners and they would pray loudly and, and uh, they would you know, cover themselves with ashes or oil and, and shout and uh, make a big thing out of their prayers. And when Jesus was teaching in this particular passage in Matthew, he said, don't pray as they do, but when you pray, go into your secret place. And so the, the movie, the, the War Room, is about this woman who had that secret place that she had built just to go um, before the Lord and pray. And so we wanna talk specifically about prayer because we think, we believe with all of our hearts that prayer really matters and that prayer uh, makes a difference. Uh, so uh, as we begin this morning, I would like you to, if you don't, I know some of you are gonna go, oh man, I'm so tired, but if you'd stand with me and we're gonna pray the Lord's Prayer as we uh, start the sermon this morning. We're doing, uh, we're praying out of Matthew, the sixth chapter uh, in verses nine to 13. Jesus said to the crowd, uh, pray then like this, our, join me, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now most manuscripts will say, for thine is the kingdom or for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's a doxology to this prayer. And, um, but some of the newer translations have left it out because they didn't find it in all the manuscripts, but uh, most scholars would say that it's a legitimate part of it. So when we finish this morning, we'll pray again and we'll, we'll close with that doxology of this prayer. But you, may, you can be seated. Thank you. As Troy talked about last week, the very first thing uh, when Jesus taught us to pray uh, was he said, pray like this, and he gave us a model. He never intended for us just to uh, quote this prayer and say, good, got it, I'm done. You know, I can go, go on from here. But he gave us this model to pray that we might learn how to be prayers, that we might learn uh, how to pray. And so every single part of this prayer is really important. There are no throwaway words in this prayer. There are no things that Jesus just threw into this prayer to, to make us feel good or to impress us or because it, you know, it sort of made it flow better. But every part of this prayer is important. So last week, Troy talked about the very first part, uh, our Father who is in heaven, holy, hallowed, uh, be your name, and, and what, we, what we understand from that is that Jesus was doing something unprecedented. He was saying that we can pray to our dad in heaven, that this idea of uh, Abba, Father, uh, that from the Hebrew is a, is a term of endearment, and so we know that we have a God 
who loves us and he loves us intimately and he wants to know us. And at the same time, we have a God whose name is holy and so we hold both of those things. We hold a father who loves us, who wants to be intimate with us, wants a relationship with us, but at the same time, he is a holy God and his name is set apart. And so as we consider that, we can't ever just fall on one side and say, okay, you're my heavenly daddy, you know, I can ask you anything I want and you're gonna do it, but because we always have to remember that he is also holy. And this morning, the part of the passage we're gonna look at is gonna help us with that because we're gonna look at the very next section that says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the next thing that Jesus says is your kingdom come. Uh, and so he's, he's saying, when we pray, pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Now, the very first thing that this ought to tip you off is that he doesn't say, Lord, Larry's kingdom come. And he doesn't say your kingdom come, but he says his, the Father's kingdom come. That that's what we're praying for, that his kingdom will come. You see, left to myself, I, I, I kind of, I'm pretty good at being the king of my kingdom. I, you know, my kingdom makes sense to me. My kingdom makes me feel good. My kingdom is sort of what I want to be comfortable and safe and feel successful and all of those things. And so, so left to myself, um, I'm, I'm gonna probably sort of gravitate toward my own kingdom that I'm the king of, that I'm really good at being the king of, that, that I like. And when I pray this prayer, all of a sudden I'm reminded that it's not the kingdom that I'm trying to build, which would really be a disaster for you, the rest of you, but it's the kingdom of God that we're seeking. So imagine for a second a world where everyone is trying to build their own kingdom and everyone is trying to be the king or the queen of their own kingdom that's built around them. And think about that for a second, how much chaos that would create that I'm in this for me, that it's all about me, it's about my kingdom, it's about what I want, it's about my will, and we've got a whole world trying to do that, rather than rallying around, rather than coming together under the kingdom of God. Now, if that sounds like chaos to you, everybody doing their own thing, then you just, then you get a picture, you don't need to read the news today, because we live in a world where everyone's trying to build their own kingdom, and they want to be the king or the queen of their own kingdom, and here's what Jesus says. He says, pray my kingdom, pray God's kingdom come on earth. That's the kingdom that he's looking for. That's what God is calling us to, and so let me give you just a couple of ideas um, that he's asking us to surrender to his kingdom. He's, he's asking us to consider what Jesus would want and what it would mean to be part of Jesus's kingdom. And so when we pray, he's saying, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name, and help me to understand what it means to live in your kingdom. Help me to come underneath your kingship. Help me to begin to grasp what it means to be a citizen of your kingdom. And, and it's really harder for me then to try to build my own when I recognize the fact that what I'm, what I'm really called to do is to belong to his kingdom, to be a citizen, to be under his authority, his kingdom. So here's what the kingdom of God looks like. The kingdom of God is the presence and the powerful lordship of the person of the king himself, which, who is Jesus. 
that it's to be under his lordship, it's to be in his presence. The kingdom is known and seen wherever Christ is acknowledged, where his subjects, his citizens are saved, where his enemies are vanquished, and where his ways are obeyed. The the kingdom of God in is anywhere, anytime, anyone over whom Jesus exercises lordship who's submitted to Christ. The kingdom is the king reigning in the hearts and the minds of his people. So when Christ comes in to live in our lives, we begin to experience his kingdom in our hearts. We begin to to experience his kingdom in our lives, that we become citizens of his kingdom. We breathe the air of his kingdom. We submit to the authority of his kingdom. I can't be the king of my own life and live in the kingdom of God. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work that I'm part of his kingdom kingdom. That's what he's called me to. And so God's presence is now among us in Jesus, and God is exerting royal force. The kingdom is God's power, his love, and his invitation for us to be part of it. And we come into his kingdom through Jesus Christ, through salvation in Jesus Christ. And so the last thing about that the kingdom is, is the kingdom is both now and future. That Revelation talks about a time when the kingdom of God will come uh, physically and rest on earth, but in between the kingdom of God is growing uh, and is part of our lives. And if you read through the gospels, there are parables or stories that Jesus told that, that help us understand what it means to be part of the kingdom, that the kingdom grows in us. Some, we don't always even see it, but the kingdom is growing in us and in the world. And we see little pictures of it as we look around the world. Um, we've talked about this a number of times, but, but when you know the, the communists opened up China uh, to the rest of the world, what we found were millions and millions and millions of Christians that somehow the kingdom of God had been spreading when nobody knew it and nobody saw it, but that's the kingdom of God. And that's the kingdom of God that rests and resides in us. That's what we're about. So he talks about being in the kingdom of God, being a citizen in God's kingdom. We belong there. That's where our citizenship is. And so even though we live in a world that feels broken and feels chaotic, we know that growing inside of us, that part of what we're experiencing as a follower of Jesus is his kingdom that, that grows, that lives that transforms all of us. Now, the second part of that, he says, and your will be done. Your will be done. Um, There was a scholar named Haddon Robinson who once said, when I read the New Testament, I discover that in the ministry of our Lord, prayer was absolutely crucial. Did you get that? In the ministry of our Lord, in the ministry of Jesus, prayer was absolutely crucial. For me, prayer is preparation for the battle. This is Haddon speaking. For Jesus, it seemed to be the battle itself. For Jesus, prayer was like running the marathon and ministry was like going to receive the gold medal. Prayer was like taking the final examination and the ministry was going to receive the diploma. In Luke, we're told that Jesus' disciples asked uh, him to teach them to pray and they asked him to do that because they had seen him praying. And so one of the things that we understand about knowing what the will of God is, is that your will be done, Lord, is that we have to make a determination that, God, I want your will done more than I want my will done in the world. That we wanna pause and reflect when we pray this prayer, 
we have to consider the fact that God is teaching us, that Jesus is teaching us through this prayer, that thy will, your will be done, which means it's not my will that's being done, it's his will, and I need to submit myself to the will of God. That I can't just pray this prayer sincerely and then go out and do whatever it is that I wanna do or whatever it is that makes me feel good or, or whatever that looks best in my own eyes, but I need to consider what is the will of God and I'm really good about thinking about myself. But when we pray this prayer, we can't do that. When we pray this prayer, we gotta be reminded that our loving Father is holy and it's his kingdom that's coming, not mine. And it's his will that, that he wants done in the world. And that supersedes, that takes over my will, that my will needs to be submitted or surrendered to his will in the world. In Matthew, the 26th chapter, we get this amazing story about God's will, and the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let me read to you a few verses. It says, then Jesus uh, went with them to a place called Gethsemane. This is the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, couldn't you watch for, with me for one hour? Couldn't you watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation? For the spirit, is in, spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass, unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and he prayed for a third time, saying the same words again. And then he came to the disciples and he said to them, sleep and take your rest later. See, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Uh, Luke t tells us that when Jesus was praying, he was in such agony that his sweat was like great drops of blood. I don't know about you, um, I felt really uh, distressed, I felt really anxious, uh, really anguished at times in my life, but I have never prayed so hard that I've had that experience of my sweat becoming like great drops of blood. That was the kind of agonizing prayer. What we read in this is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He took his disciples with him. He told most of them to wait. He brought Peter, James, and John with him. And they went along to a place, and he said, wait, wait here for me. Pray with me. And Jesus went, and it says he threw himself face down in his agony, and he prayed to the Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But then he said those words, but not my will, but your will be done. And do you know what that means for us? That means that Jesus didn't ask us to do something that he had never done. Jesus doesn't ask us to say, thy will be done, just on a lark. But Jesus can tell us, 
Thy will be done because he has prayed, not my will, but God, your will be done. He, he did that ahead of us. He's done that for us. And when he says pray like this, he says pray like I prayed. And Haddon Robinson talked about this. He, he, said, he, he said what mattered to Jesus, that it seemed like that prayer was where the real battle was fought, uh, that it was like prayer was like running the marathon, and then the, the reward the fin, at the finish line was, was doing the ministry, was the, what God would, would do because of that. And here's what he says for us, here's what he wants us to understand, is that for Jesus, the battle for the cross, the battle for our lives was fought in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus went to the Father and said, Father, if there's any other way to do this, let this cup pass from me. And then when Jesus said, but not my will but yours be done he won the battle in the garden of Gethsemane and then he finished the mission in triumph for our sin but the battle was won in the garden and what he wants us to understand when he says our father who's in heaven holy is your name your kingdom come your will be done he's saying the battle is going to be fought right here that it's me deciding lord before you i want to submit my will to you it's not my will that i want to live by it's your will that i want to live by and so when i pray this prayer it catches my breath because i have to be honest and say you know what i think i've been going for my will here I think I've been exercising, I've been putting my will over yours, Father. And if I want to be serious about this, then I need to pray that your kingdom comes, that your kingdom reigns, that your will comes before my will in this battle. That it's really about you, Lord, and, and not about me. And that takes constant perseverance, doesn't it? Uh, you don't just wake up in the morning and go, okay. I'm set, I'm gonna, it's God's will. You know, I, I think, I think I'm a pretty good guy. And I, I've been a follower of Jesus for a, you know, a long time, maybe longer than most of you have been alive, in fact. Uh, and so I think sometimes that I know stuff, that I know God's will pretty good, right? You know? Help little old ladies across the street. Be nice to people. Don't cheat on your income tax. I, I, I know a lot of stuff. And yet when I pray this prayer and when I pause and say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, it catches my breath. Because in spite of the fact that I know lots of stuff and in spite of the fact I've been doing this a long time, I so easily can slip into my will being done what makes me feel safe, what makes me feel comfortable, what gives me recognition, what makes me feel successful about my life. And I forget what the will of God is. I'm not even considering, Lord, what is it you want to accomplish today? What is it that you want to do today? And so Jesus is wanting us to understand that before we get to all the stuff that we think prayer's about, before we get to the daily bread and and, uh, you know, and, and forgiveness, and, and I, here's, this, here's my list of all the things that I want. You know, before we get to God as the vending machine, you know, that you push a couple of buttons, then the thing you want kind of comes out the, the slot at the bottom. Before we get to all of that, he's saying, here's what prayer is really about. It's acknowledging who God is, that he's our loving Father, and he's a holy God. And, and then it, it's about understanding that it's his kingdom that he's building. It's his kingdom 
that's being grown, that I'm part of his kingdom, and that I should seek his will above my own, that I need to surrender my will to his will, and, and look, at the, look at the beauty of a world that if we, if when his kingdom is completely fulfilled, and all of us are living in the kingdom of God, all of us are trusting his will above our own, that that's how God created the world to work. And if you wanna know why it's not working today, it's because we're not praying your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That heaven is, is where God's will is being done right now in a perfect way. And he's saying, I want that to come. I want that to grow in you until the day that I bring it back. That's what I want your life. That's what I want your life to look like. And so he's saying that the rest of the prayer, the rest of the prayer that we're gonna look, uh, look at is built on these phrases. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we acknowledge our faith and who we're praying to and we know that our Father loves us and we know that his name is holy and just, and we pray for the coming of his kingdom, and we understand that we're part of his kingdom. Our citizenship is through Jesus. In fact, Jesus told Pilate, if you go back and read the story of the cross, and in John 18, verse 36, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. That I have a holy, a spiritual kingdom that's gonna be built in the hearts and the lives of people who follow me. You know, in Matthew, uh, in Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26, Jesus uh, tells his disciples this. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He says, you know what it looks like to be my follower? Do you know what it looks like to place your will under my will? He says, if you want to be a follower, you deny yourself, which, which literally means to come under new ownership come under new ownership, to take up your cross, to identify with Jesus and follow me. You know, we live in a culture that's, you know, that it's embarrassing or it could be threatening to, to identify with Jesus. And yet, Jesus endured the cross for our sake. He's saying, I want you to come under new ownership. I want you to deny yourself. I want you to take up your cross and I want you to follow me, and I, we talk about this again all the time, that when we follow Jesus, we don't always know where we're going, but we're always confident about who we're following, right? And that's what really matters. So he says, take up your cross and follow me. And then he says, he goes on to say this, for whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And another verse that we love here, well, actually, I love it, and I'm hoping you grow to love it. It's kind of really more how it works. Um, so I say it a lot. That's sort of how I do that. Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ, that I've come under new ownership, that his kingdom 
has come in my life, that his will is being done. He says, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith through Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you know why we do this? Do you know why we pray the Lord's Prayer? Do you know why we submit our will to his? Because he initiated it. It's, it's, not, it's not me being a great guy. It's not you being such a wonderful person. It's because Jesus came and he showed us how to live and he loved us like no one's loved us before and he gave his life for us as a ransom for our sin. And now he says, now I want to grow in your life. I want you to understand my kingdom. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you again for this great privilege. Thank you for the, the words that, Lord, you are so honest. You don't mince words with us, Lord. You are clear about who we are and how we're to live. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage um, or the perspective to, to look at our own lives and, and to honestly reflect on whether or not we're allowing your kingdom to rule in our lives and, and your will to be done in and through us in our lives, Lord and to understand what that will is. And Lord, we thank you that whenever we have a question, we simply can go to the Gospels and look at your life, that you showed us how to live, and we are grateful for that. So Lord, speak to our hearts this morning. Uh, teach us what it means to be part of your kingdom, to do your will, and we will be grateful, Lord. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. About 500 years ago, Martin Luther was writing about the Lord's Prayer. And what he taught was that when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you pray each section and then you pause. That, that, that's the point where you don't just recite the Lord's Prayer, but you pause and you add your prayer in, in between the stanzas. So he'd say, Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. And then you pause and reflect for a second on what it means that our Father, our Abba, is holy, and that He loves us, and yet He's a holy God. And, and then your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and then you pause right there and, and you reflect for a few seconds on what that means for His kingdom to come and His will to be done. And then as you move through each part of that Lord's Prayer, you stop, and, and that's where you begin to ask him, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. You know, when I, when I take that seriously, it, it gives me, <laughs> it sort of challenges me about accumulating more and more stuff, right? Because what, here's how he taught me to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Well, we're gonna finish this morning by simply uh, praying the Lord's Prayer again, and, and, um, uh, and we're gonna pause for just a couple of seconds in between each stanza so that we can personally reflect uh, on the words that Jesus taught us 
to pray. So uh, join me, and we will add uh, the end part, uh, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So join me. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Thank you, Lord. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I love you. Have a great day. God bless.